Good evening and welcome to the Kaniac Report. I'm Sam Driscoll. And I am Sam Wallace. And you know what, Sam? What? It's good to play Boston now. It is. And if you like this episode, please share and leave a review and hit that subscribe button so you will never miss another episode. And um, after that first episode, we actually got a few Facebook reviews. I mean, they're on Facebook, but I am still appreciative of the reviews. We don't want this just to be two people you listen to. We like to create like a bit of a community with this podcast. So thank you for these. Uh, Richard Miller says sounds great hope it takes off and hope it is a huge success for the two of you thank you so much richard we wanted to give you a shout out to you um i believe kiana bean if i butchered that i'm very sorry said awesome good luck i'll be sure to listen thank you very much kiana and mary also on facebook said nice and good luck again Thank you so much. And uh, since we are going to be um, saying a few of these reviews and comments, if you want to be heard, we have our email. Now, um, before the the start of this road trip, we had the All-Star Game. Uh, we also rated uh, our opinions on the skills competition on our last episode. So if you want to listen to that, to that uh, you can... Uh, just go back and listen to it. As well as listen to how we felt the Hurricanes had done up to the mid-season mark. Because at that point, we were literally halfway through the regular season. Yes. And the All-Star game. Um, Ajo got a couple of points. Obviously, we are going to be talking about more of the Hurricanes aspect of this game. Because this is about the Hurricanes. And what do you think of Ajo's game? Ajo did great. But who's surprised? When you have Freddie Anderson, Sebastian Ajo, and head coach Rob Brandon you expect them to win. And they did. They they won. They won handily each game. You know, having you know Rod on coaching the Metropolitan Division. Having a great star like Ajo, who won the most accurate shooter. And having probably the best goalie in the NHL right now, Freddie Anderson, it's hard to beat that. Yeah, it is. In fact, I think I heard, uh, I think it was Claude Giroux that mentioned Rod Brindamore as that coach, being like, he is such a good coach. And it just shows he's definitely, I would say, the top coach in the NHL. But even our division rival in Washington, Evgeny Kuznetsov, had a lot of really positive praise to say about Rod and said that Rod was who actually got the team jump-started in that final game. Yeah. And uh, so that was a great game. Metro won it all the way. Uh, both, again, great players because it is such a tough division, but also an amazing coach. And now we get to the road trip. What were you expecting on this? I mean, I was expecting trip. some, possibly some adversity, only because you're coming off the All-Star break. A lot of the guys really didn't have a chance to play practice they kind of took a vacation they took a break I mean you have a lot of good players I expected probably better than what we got but I'm not going to complain we walked away with three out of six points we'll get to each game I felt they could have played I felt they could have played better against Toronto a little bit better defensively and I felt they could have done better against Ottawa I think they could have done a lot better against Ottawa yes and um 
Three out of six points, I agree. Um, I think that's good coming off of a week-long vacation um, for these guys. And first, let's get to that uh, Toronto game. I'm sure you would agree this was a somewhat competitive game. It wasn't terrible, but wasn't our greatest. It was an interesting game. You know, we got a point. I thought that was deserved. I thought either team really... Could have won that game. I'm not really high on Toronto. Most people know that. I don't think they're going to do much in the playoffs. They're a team that doesn't really have defense. They have a lot of offense. Their goaltending, I think, is good. But I don't think it's better than most teams in the Eastern Conference when it comes to netminding. Um, but, they, you know, they, they won. They won in overtime um, based off of an absolutely idiotic shot by Marty Natchez, who... <coughs> When, you, when you're in overtime, the, the goal of the game is simply put this. You need to um, possess the puck. The longer you possess the puck, the better chance you have at winning. If the other team doesn't get the puck, they can't win. You need to wait and buy your time for that perfect shot. That way you, have, you optimize your best chance at winning the game in overtime. Yes. You don't shoot the puck <laughs> from outside of the dots. Yes. Which is what he did. He just took a shot. I mean, Jack Campbell had been playing well that night. Or Morazic. I'm sorry. Peter Morazic had been playing well that night. Of course he's going to make that stop. And turn the puck over. Carolina never got the puck back. And Toronto won. Yes, they did. And the key thing to that, to overtime, is always uh, possession. Uh, having the puck. Because if you're not, you can quickly, just like that, because it's three on three, uh, lose... Every bit of momentum and the other team scores or can score on you. Now, that first period of the game, I thought that was pretty decent. Anita Ryder scored with an assist from Cole and Natchez. And I thought that was a pretty good goal. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think Carolina's been playing pretty well on the offensive market. I think even Ottawa, once they got to the third period, they turned it on. It just shows the team can turn it on at any point, and they, they do. They played well in Toronto. They scored some goals. They had a good first period. I felt like Toronto may have had an edge as the game went on, but I, I felt like it was still very close. Peter Morazic played very, very well. I think he probably would have liked to have had one of those back, as I think. I believe it was Anderson, and that, that night would have also liked to have had one back as well. But, you know, it's just the part of the game. Um, it was tough for both teams, I think, to come back from, from the break, which is expected. You're going to get a little sloppy. Yeah, it was. And uh, when you have an offensive powerhouse like Toronto, it is going to be tough to contain that. And their defense has also gotten better. Not to take anything from Toronto... Uh, this was just two uh, very good competitive teams right off the bat. Um, so we started out great in the first period. And now we go to the second. And this is when Toronto really shows the power of that offense. Uh, both goals were by Austin Matthews. And he hit that 30-goal mark. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> second period wasn't pretty. Austin, <laughs> I mean, Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews, right? He's one of the best in the league. He's an all-star. He is an amazing player. He's always going to do well. That's not unusual. That's not surprising. You expect him to play well in his best every night. Honestly, Carolina has been pretty good about containing him. But again, you're coming off the all-star break. When we played him the first time, we did very well against Toronto. Last, yeah. that, that night, you know, obviously he's, he's going to score at some point. And, and when you're giving him power plays 
Like, Carolina has a penalty problem, apparently. I would argue that for whatever... I'm not sure why Carolina has this reputation, that every small little thing gets called on them. I tend to agree kind of with how Rod was feeling and how every night it's... We're the one getting called for ticky-tack calls, but then they don't call it the same way the other night. And that's when they get an issue. Yeah. And that's kind of what I felt like we saw in Toronto was it was they called everything on Carolina and then they didn't keep it even. You got to keep things even. And I didn't feel like that was the case. I mean, you saw the hit. I believe Brendan Smith let, let, laid on a Toronto player and then he was forced to fight. Uh, you know, I don't... Fights are fine. I enjoy them, but... There has to be a purpose behind the fights. Um, I think we can all remember what happened uh, in Seattle with Svech. It was a tight game at the end of the period. That's not a good time to get into a fight. So no, you it, it needs to be ice. yes, you need Svech on the ice. Um, so they need to be timely, and there has to be a purpose. We'll later get to a very good fight in the Boston game. Um, but yeah, that second period was dominated by uh, Toronto. I think that was just more of how good offensively Toronto is and how bad our defense was because our defense is still one of the top. And the third period, uh, ten second, eight seconds in, actually, into the period, we have Tony D'Angelo coming up and scoring. That was like a set play right there. <laughs> I mean, you know, Carolina is one of the best off-the-draw teams in the league, and Tony D'Angelo is fantastic. I mean, he's an offensive machine. He's been great with us. I honestly, I can honestly say I, I don't expect anything less from him now. Tony D'Angelo has been outstanding. He's been amazing. He proved that in Toronto. I definitely didn't have a problem with his game most of the time this week. Obviously, you don't expect him to play the best defense, but he, he, he tries, and he goes out there and gives it his all every game. Um, and he did that against Toronto. Yeah, he did. Um, just just a great goal. And honestly, I was a little surprised Mrazek didn't stop that because that was from way out. But it was still a really good goal. So Yeah, you come again where these goalies wish they could stop something and have a better chance at stopping the puck. You know, I'm sure Mrazek wants it back. Um, and it was good to see Peter Mrazek again. And, you know, good for him for getting that win. Good for him for trying to, to, make, to make something for himself in, in Toronto. I mean, wish him all the luck in the world, but you just got to hope that, um, you know, obviously I don't want him to win the cup because I'd love to see Carolina, but I definitely hope he has a good career. Oh, definitely. And um, the uh, Derek Stefan goal, uh, that was a very hard-working goal, and that's kind of what you want from these depth guys is like they might not have that skill that your top guys have, but the key is to have them hardworking. I would say Derek Stepan is at the top of that bunch. I mean, you agree? Derek Stepan has played fantastic for us. He's done everything you could ask for a fourth-line center. And honestly, he can play like a third-line center, too. He's got the skill to do that and the compete level to do that. And he's been absolutely wonderful. He goes out there and scores a lot of times when needed, but he creates a time and space. He's on that unbelievably good fourth-line Yes, he is. Now, Toronto, um, I don't know if this was off of a turnover off the top of my head, but they eventually tie it. Mitch Marner, another great player, he ties it. And now we can go into the huge discussion of overtime uh, of Toronto winning it. Mitch Marner once again getting the goal. And 
I know you have strong opinions about that whole, well, not yeah. the whole overtime. Well, I felt Carolina had played well in overtime. In fact, I thought they had the better of play for most of overtime, um, which was good to see because I didn't feel like they were the best toward the end of that third period, but they came out to play pretty hard in overtime. One of the issues that we have now is we have a player on this team who's just a constant turnover machine, but he has some of the highest skill in Marty Natchez. Marty Natchez has pure raw talent, but for whatever reason, this season he has progressed miserably so. It is just unbelievable how far a player that kind of skill level can progress, which he has. He turns over the puck on a regular basis, and he did so in, in Toronto. He took an unnecessary shot, a shot that had little to no chance of going in. We turned over the puck. Toronto's high-powered offense takes over in overtime. That's ball game. Yeah, it, and it, it wasn't it, anything Anderson could have done, or really the defense could have done. You put a player on the ice who turns over the puck. Yeah, and there's not that much defense when you only have only have three players on the ice. Now I know the other team has three players too, but still, it's an offensive game when it comes to overtime, and and you still get a point. So you know you just take take what you can get and move on to the next game. I mean that's just what Carolina needed to do. Um, yeah, and what what's frustrating is that I do like seeing our, some of our guys be a little bit more selfish in shooting the puck, but in overtime, in that situation, you got to hold on to that puck. And and, and unfortunately, um, that just kind of took a very unwise decision of shooting um, a puck with zero to no chance of it actually going in. Now we get to the Ottawa game. This was a lot tougher to watch, in my opinion, than the Toronto game. When you're watching that game, Carolina didn't show up till the third period. We really don't need to discuss the first and the second period. Other than we'll talk about one thing in the first period. You have a player again in Marty Natchez who, for whatever reason... what? No, I'm sorry, that was in the Boston game. We'll get to that. I'll talk about that, too. Um, but in this game, for whatever reason, no one showed up. No one showed up against Ottawa, not for the first two periods. They just kind of lackluster skated around. They didn't deserve to win at all. They they were not the team that deserved to win. The fact that Carolina battled in the third was good to see. But if they had even gotten a point, it would have been right. It would have been unfair to Ottawa to yeah. be forced into overtime, or if Carolina somehow won in overtime, it wouldn't have been right. I think Carolina played poorly. For most of that game, they got what they deserved. They got, and sometimes you need that We're, kind of loss to really kind of kick you in your pants and get going. And Carolina needed it, I think. But um, it was good to see the battle back and, and that they don't give up. And I think that was important. They needed that third period to be good for something to build on going to Boston. And I think they got it. Yeah. And uh, to me, what really frustrated me with this game is that. This team knows that Ottawa's kind of had their number. Uh, they lose against them at home. They uh, beat Ottawa in a shootout, which to me, I consider that a tie because it's not an actual shootout. It's a shootout. It's completely different from the actual game. I, I think they won that game because of Frederick Anderson alone. So they should have known what Ottawa can do, but they still sat back. And they and in the first period, I mean, they get a goal scored on them from Brady Kachuk. Now, it was hit off of Ajo, so that's not really Anderson, 
Anderson's fault there. No, it was Ranta that was in goal. Yep, it was on to Ranta. We got because um, it was back to back. So yes, that's I wanted right. to get Ranta a game in, and I thought Ranta was fine. I don't have a problem with his game. I thought he played very well. I mean, it's not your fault when you when your team in front of you just doesn't help you out, and that's what happened. His team in front of him <laughs> didn't help him out. Yes, and um, I don't know what it is with Alex Formanton, but he makes it two to nothing. He has four goals against the Hurricanes. I mean, you know, there's always that one player. Bo, Bo Horvat was like that yeah. with Vancouver. So yeah. there's always going to be that player that just plays well against... Adam Ernie from Detroit last exactly. season. I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's just how that is. A player usually has one team that he plays unbelievable against, and that's just how that is. It was a team we struggled against. Last year it was Detroit. This year it's Ottawa. It happens. You can't really get... Um, get angry at it you know you're, you're doing very 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 well against the top feeders in the league um, and you're still beating the teams you're supposed to beat obviously you're going to come out against the bottom team that has skill everybody in the NHL every team in the NHL has stars and people who can be a game changer Ottawa has those and people like Brady Kachuk I mean he got a, he scored I mean you he know, scored two goals that and that's um, what you expect. They're yeah. gonna they're going to have good nights, and sometimes your team is is not. Ours simply didn't have a good night. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, second period was also just terrible too. Another Brady Kachuk and Chris Tierney goal. I, I it, it 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 wasn't good. But then we get to the third period, and. Yeah, you say you kind of turned this game off. I could see yeah. why. Yeah, I ended up turning the game off. I I didn't feel like they had earned the right for me to watch that game that night. They just didn't play well. But it was good to, to kind of keep track of it and pay attention to the fact that, you know, you have players like Svechnikov who go in and, and do something. You know, Brendan Smith on his birthday is able to pop one in. And then you have uh, Vincent Trocek who made it interesting at the very end of the game. Obviously, it was too little, too late, which is what happens when you dig yourself a four-goal um, deficit. However, because of the Columbus game, where we scored seven goals, I stayed to watch it, and I thought we were going to pull it off. I did. And they would have. Can you imagine if that Ajo goal, I think it was at the end of the first period of yes. it would have tied. If they had only shot Point. that puck, I think, like a half a second sooner. I know. It's crazy. I think I saw someone on Twitter just pointing out if we had a point one more second left, it would have been tied. And I'm just like, man. But, you know, we get the loss. I mean, we do tend to play down to our um, the, more of the bottom feeders of the team. I did see where we have we lose a little bit more against those against the teams who are not in the playoff picture. Than against those those that, that are in the playoff picture, but I mean I was a little concerned after that game, but I wasn't in a in in panic mode because this Kane team is still at the top of the league. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, Carolina has clearly been one of the best teams in the league this year. They're still number one in the Metropolitan Division. Last I looked, obviously there's some games on tonight. So that could change, but I mean, you know, they have games in hand. Carolina is not in a position to really lose that number one seed in the Metro unless they lose it. I mean, it's theirs to lose. They have it right now. Yeah, and it, I do think it's going to be a little bit of a battle because they're only just a couple of points out from Pittsburgh and the Rangers. We also haven't played Pittsburgh yet. We have played the Rangers, and I felt that we played better than the Rangers, and I think we have a better team 
and the Rangers through the lineup. Um, Pittsburgh will be interesting. I mean, I think the age factor there might be on our side. I also don't feel I'm still not sold on on, on Jari. I mean, we've seen he, he he he's buckled under pressure before in Pittsburgh in the playoffs. He did not play well, but they remember they won the division last year in theirs, and they got beat in the first round. Yeah, and that's the thing with Pittsburgh is that okay, we might make the playoffs, but I mean make it, but. In the playoffs, it's them trying to go for another huge run. I don't think they have it. I think with Pittsburgh, uh, you have guys like Malkin and Crosby that are getting a lot older. But I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit more um, as we play them more. Now, the Boston game. Well, you know, like I said at the beginning, it's good to be in Boston for, for once. You know, after two seasons of getting ousted by the Bruins, it was nice to... For this team to lay the smackdown on them. I believe the stats where we scored 16 goals and Boston only scored one in those three games. I mean, shutting out Boston twice, once at home and once in the garden. I mean, oh boy, that was just fun. That was a fun game to watch. Carolina just dominated Boston. And both games in Boston. I mean, it was an embarrassing show that Boston put on. I mean, Frederick Anderson was lights out. He made some unbelievable saves. Sebastian Ajo showed he was an all-star. The only problem in the game, at the very beginning of the game, when Boston was actually playing really well, you take a stupid penalty. And that was Marty Natchez. He cross-checked a guy for literally no reason. I mean, it was a blatant call. The ref is going to make the call. The ref is standing right there. There's make, it makes no sense to cross-check the player. And they're cracking down on it anyway. So they're going to call the cross-check. And it was blatant. <laughs> this is the problem that I have with, with Natchez. He's doing, he's creating turnovers. Uh, he's causing turnovers. And it's just like, you know, come on, man. I, I saw you play last year. You were on a 60-point clip for a regular season. And now it's like, maybe you'll get 40? That, yeah, he's projected to get around 40. He's not going to be doing good. Um, I don't think he... Hits 50, obviously. Now, 40, maybe. What you need to see from him, and I agree with what Adam Gold said a couple days ago, um, You it, for this team to really be at its best, you need your top players to be at your best. And that includes Marty Natchez. If you want this team to make a deep run, Marty Natchez has to play like he did last season. It's a contract year, but if you play like crap, you're going to get a crap deal, so you need to play like you know what kind of contract you want. And right now, he, he's not playing for that. I'm questioning whether Natchez will be with the team after the deadline. We'll have to wait and see. I feel like it would have to be a huge deal for it that's worth it. But I also can't... I don't know if they're going to be willing to pay him some sort of a big contract at the end of the season either. So it might be something that they choose to keep him for the, the deadline as a rental, as their rental, and then look at what to do at the end of the season, depending on what kind of a deal he's asking for. But he's wanting, but if he's wanting seven, eight million, you can't do that. Oh, definitely, because and, and, and the thing with Waddell and Tom Dundon, I mean, you can tell just by the contracts they've signed. Um, when they signed Svechnikov, they knew that he was not going to get Aho like money because he's not at that. He wasn't at that level at the time the contract was made. Now, right now, I think that contract is a bargain with the way Svechnikov is playing. But it just shows, like, that, I mean, with Netrus, um coming off of a contract year, not playing 
up to speed, it's going to hurt your chances. I think if he does get traded, it's more likely going to be in the offseason than trade deadline. Um, and I think it's probably going to maybe be a, be a bridge deal, just by looking at the structure. Of yeah, it. I think a bridge deal for Nate just would be reasonable. Something maybe four or five million, maybe max six, if you're doing like maybe a one to two year deal. But you don't want to overpay a player like that right now. It's it's not not worth it. Yes, and we'll again we'll get more into those contracts as um, we get into the off season. So the first goal, Vinny Trotrak scores. It's on the power play. I was happy this was on the power play because we have been struggling a bit on the power play, even though I think stats will say that we're playing good. <laughs> oh, yeah, and also so far it seems like a Prius is better than a Lambo, especially when the Lambo gets suspended. I so, love. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of hit on that too. You had Brad Marchand punch Kristen Jari in the head for no apparent reason. I mean, Brad Marchand had kind of been – bugging Jari all night from knocking a puck off his stick he was trying to give to a fan. I mean, that made little to no sense. Um, and then Brad Marchand, after he gets pushed, after they're trying to get him off the to, off the ice, uh, he goes and spears Jari in the head. So he gets a six-game suspension, and rightfully so. Christian Jari didn't deserve the kind of retaliation that Marchand decided to, to give. And Marchand knows better. He's been suspended before. He's done this kind of thing before. So I don't know what else he thought was going to happen. I know he went on Twitter saying that there was no reason for it and six game wasn't necessarily fair. Well, dude, you have a history of it. I mean, he you does. know better. You're going to get this kind of a reaction. Um, you're a dirty He's a dirty player. He's not a, uh, he's not a model for a clean hockey player or really a classy one. Sometimes, yeah, he's done some good things for some of the fans up there. In he's a good player. He, he can score a lot of points. It's just the way he plays at times. He, he He's just not a good model player like you said. Which is unfortunate, especially with all the skill that he has. And uh, they were all Boston. You know, it's not, you know, they were also at Patrice Bergeron. They're out two of their best players. But, I mean, even with both of them in the lineup, Carolina has dominated Boston. I mean, it hasn't even been close. I heard I heard a Boston fan actually saying that if, even if uh, Marchand and Bergeron were in the lineup for uh, this past game, it wouldn't have made a difference. No, it really wouldn't have. So, Carolina was rocking and rolling the whole game. Yeah, they were. And part of it is because of that history in the playoffs and all that stuff. And now we get to Svechnikov's goal in the second period. And I think Svechnikov's goal was really good. He is on a tear right now. At the beginning of the season, Svech, I mean, he, he the, the effort was there. He just wasn't getting the points. Now he's finally getting them. He has 42 ga- games played, 42 points. Yeah, it's good to see. It's always good to see that kind of a, of a thing. Um I believe that this team is better than Boston now. And I think that's good. You, you've had, you know, and a lot of people made a lot of stink about the turnover at the end of the season. But you got to understand, the po- you know, we had, we had. So if you kept exactly what we have, we don't get better. You're counting on your best players to get a little better. But what would happen if we did that? Marty Natchez has regressed. Svechnikov has played better. And Ajo always plays better almost every season. But you still had that regression in Natchez. You know, you still have your old team that you hope to all get better. That's not how you win a championship. You have to figure out what you got to do. And most of the fixes weren't to our high-end talent. They were to the bottom six, which was the issue that we had 
last season. We didn't have a good bottom six forward like Derek Stepan. And we didn't have that defensive depth. So when a defenseman goes down, you're counting on someone like Joey Keane to step in and play in the playoffs. And, and Maxime Lajoie. And Maxime Lajoie, who, who have, you know, to their credit, played better this season in the minors. But you can't expect people like Jake Bean, who just cannot play defense very well, to go out in overtime at crucial moments and help win your game and play defense. That you don't, you can't afford that. But then you get a seventh defenseman in Brendan Smith, who, if he for whatever reason due to an injury has to go out there, you can count on him to play a defensive game. Exactly. And I think this team, yeah. you know, when you look at them, their defense got better. Well, Boston's defense has gotten to te- has deteriorated over the years. Their best, you know, they lost Tory Krug. Chara is off to another team. Yep. He's, I mean, I still think he's maybe playing decent, but he's obviously not at the level like he was in Boston. Which is true, but he's still, you know, he's still that stay home shutdown defenseman. He's a big dude. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna lay out at you if you try something. So, you know, Boston's defense has gotten worse. Carolina's has gotten much, much better. Carolina's and offense has gotten better. Yeah, and and deeper on both ends for the deep, for the offense and defense. Um, you know, you have an injury, you can count on someone to step in the lineup. You know, yes. right now, we're, we've got players out. You know, guess Barry Kokinyemi is in COVID protocol. And we played that well against Boston. When he comes back, he's stepping in the lineup. And then you got to figure out who you want to take out of the lineup when they play that well. It's hard. Yes, and and we're recording this right now before the Minnesota game. So we'll be doing that review in the next episode. We'll do a little pre-talk on it, though, kind of say what we expect. But, yep. Yeah, and... But yeah, we should be expecting KK. I would think tomorrow. That would be the hope. I would like to see Coach Kinyemi come back and, and play that game. I think it'd be good, especially after a tough road trip. You know, give the guys some rest. Maybe I don't know who you who you put out. I mean, maybe Seth Jarvis or Marty Natchez. Let one of them kind of take a seat. Seth Jarvis in general hasn't really been playing well the last few games. But he is a rookie. So yeah, no, you can't really fault him. Sometimes yeah. it takes a minute to have him, you know, take a seat, just watch the game from the press box, give him a little bit to, to think, and you know, same with Natchez. He might need a little bit, you know, you know, maybe a rest. I think those are the two players that would qualify for sitting out because I think everyone else has played very, very, very well. You know, Martinuk doesn't necessarily have the points, but what he provides isn't the offense. Martinuk provides the momentum that he can bring. And, and the four, I think, has the best four check, honestly. On yeah, the team. he's been he's been doing very very well, especially on the dump and chases. Yeah, he has, and part of it's because he is a pretty fast player. But obviously, I do think Natchez is the fastest on the yeah, team. Yeah, no, I mean, regardless of the issues that I have with Marty Natchez, I mean, if he if he turns on the Jets, I mean, you've seen him with his wraparound goals, he can score those. You don't see those a lot nowadays, but Marty Natchez can bury him when he wants to. And problem that, is, I just haven't seen the work ethic that we need to see from him. I thought we got a glimpse of that in the third period from Natchez. I thought third period Natchez was more like himself from last so season. So what we had, we had that horrendous penalty that he took that made no sense. It was like, what are you doing? Are you an idiot? And then after that, I don't know what it was. I don't know what changed. But he turned on what we, what we saw last season. And that's what we need to see from Natchez. If he plays like this most of the time for the rest of the season, no one's going to beat Carolina. You know, you're going to have off nights, of course, but no one can beat this team, especially in a seven-game, you know, a best-of-seven playoff series. Exactly. And also, this was the game where we got back a player in Tara Vinan. Oh, boy, didn't and, tear it up. Oh, my gosh, three assists. And I just, that awful, I think it, 
It was the second Aho goal. Between these the legs, guys, yep. between the legs, that was, I think, the best shot I have seen from Maho. That was so sick. What did you think of oh, that? Oh, it was good to see. You know, I love seeing highlight real goals. It just goes to prove, I think Aho is one of the most underrated offensive players in the league. Uh, Sebastian Aho can do it all. He can do the dazzling goals. He can do the dirty goals. He can get the, you know, the needed goals. Um... But, you know, of all the goals that were scored, there's only really one goal that I think every Kings fan was just cheering and going crazy for. And that was when Jordan Stahl finally put the puck in the neck. The last time he did so was in October. And this is his third goal of the game. He tipped it. You could see his smile. I thought I thought he might have uh, got a tip on that when Brady Shea shot that puck. Yeah, I did too. And he did. I was so happy for him. You see Stahl smile. I mean, you know, he knows he touched it. But it shows what kind of leader he is. You know, he wasn't about to go go nuts about scoring the goal. But it was good to see. Well, mm-hmm. we haven't need him to score a bunch of these, no. a bunch of goals. So, which is just great because if he does go on, on a tear, I'm, I'm not expecting that he will go on a tear. But, but you never know. Jordan Stahl has done it before. You know, he gets that one and then you kind of feel better. You get the monkey off your back. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan Stahl start to score a few goals in the next several games. Maybe put three or four up on the board. It's definitely possible. He can score. He gets in those areas. He tips the pucks. In fact, at the end of practices, it's well known that that's what Stahl does. He stands in the front of the net and practices his tips. So it's good to see that he's doing that, you know, tipping the puck in the net, getting those redirections. That's important. Because he, he, he's the biggest guy on the team. And when you have George Stahl right in front of you and you're the goalie, it's going to be hard to see the puck at all. So he, he definitely needs to be in front of the goalie more. And he did there and he got himself a goal. Absolutely. Well-deserved, hard-working goal. I mean, you know, it's good to see. You know, your captain score. George Stahl has just been unbelievable. I think he's been the most consistent player this road trip. That line has probably been the best line. In this yeah, season. I know. He, he's been really good. I do want to talk one more thing. I can't remember if this was before the Trotrack goal, but that fight with uh, D'Angelo and Charlie Mack. So that was early on in the game. That was in the first period. Carolina, I would honestly say, was probably not playing better than Boston. I think Frederick Anderson had played outstanding. And then you have Charlie McAvoy, I believe, go in and take a hit with Ajo. It was a clean hit, like we talked about earlier when Wayne Simmons did it. But I felt like at that point, Toronto already had the momentum and Carolina tried to shift it. And then you expect someone to answer the bell for a a clean hit. I have a problem with that. I don't like that D'Angelo decided to fight because I don't want him off the ice for five minutes, but I understand it. You need to stand up for your stars, which is what D'Angelo yes. did. His teammates love him for it. Now, to the extent of that is a question. Like, should you actually get into a fight with, after a clean hit? I mean, I don't really have a clear answer there. But I think it's important to to let other teams know as well. Like, hey, you, you can't go out and try and rough up our star players and expect to get away with it, Tony D'Angelo. Is no, he will drop the gloves, and it was good to see. I thought it was a pretty even fight. I don't really think any either player won. I thought um, McAvoy was able to kind of withstand the onslaught because Tony D'Angelo kept on hammering him, and McAvoy ended up. He's a him big down. player. McAvoy is a big player too, so we kind of had that size factor, which is why I think at the end of the day, Tony D'Angelo ended up um, going to the ice first. But that happens. I mean, you know, I thought it was a clean fight, a good fight. 
you know, fun to watch, but um, unfortunately you lose D'Angelo for five minutes. But you lose, but uh, again, you also have to think of in consideration with these fights, what player is the other team losing? Yeah, They're losing they lost their best player too. Their best defenseman, so I don't mind having a fight like that. If this was D'Angelo with some depth defenseman from Boston, it's not worth it. I don't think yeah. it is. But yeah. with a guy like Charlie McAvoy, taking him out of the game for five minutes hurts Boston way more than it is for Carolina losing D'Angelo because you have Slavin, Shea, Pesci. Absolutely. I think it was good. It set the tone for the rest of the game. It was, And it was purposeful. And again, I know there are people that don't like fights. Uh, but And you and I would agree. We enjoy them. We enjoy yeah, these fights, but they have to be a purpose and they have to be timely. Yeah, for sure. You want to hope, and you don't want to see your your best offensive defenseman go out there and then pick a fight with a third line defenseman from the other team who didn't play but like ten minutes a night. You don't want to see something like that. Um, yeah, but you know, it was it, you took out McAvoy for five. Yes, it was D'Angelo for five. But I think Carolina, after that moment, that was it. Carolina took over the game, and dominated. Yeah, they did. And um, also, we had that second beautiful Ajo goal in the third period. But also, within seconds at the start of that, um, there was goalie interference on um, a goal that Boston thought they had broken the shutout with Anderson. I'm watching the goal. I'm watching it happen. And, and, And in motion, it looks like it may be a good goal because it looked like the puck may have been going in. But I think once you get to the overhead shot, I think Anderson had stopped it in its tracks. And then once he gets hit, the puck then you can see going gets over. Loose. It gets a little loose and it starts to move toward the goal line. And it goes in. I think it was the right call at the end of the day. I think really at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really knows what goalie interference is. No, but I does. thought that was textbook. You know, I'll give the player props. He did kind of pull back to not give Anderson the full brunt of what And he there was doing. a little bit of a... Push, I believe it was Shea who was on um, that Boston player. I can't remember the Boston player yeah. on top of my head. But it wasn't enough to where um, it would have mattered. It no. wouldn't matter. No, I think it was the right call. I think there was goalie interference, substantial contact. I think it was with how the refs put it. And yeah, it, it was the right call to wave off the goal. Not you know, not and, and that's just honestly objective. I probably would have waved it off if Carolina was in the same position. Um, you need to have if there's goaltender interference, if there's substantial contact, like there was with no help from another player, which there was, and that player still ran into Anderson and caused the penalty, and it was a dangerous play too. I mean, yes, he pulled up, but there was still a lot of contact, and Anderson could have been seriously injured. Fortunately, he wasn't. Came back in, finished the shutout. Yes, and when it comes to just goaltender interference, I just want to say that. Um, I don't really blame the officials for it. I blame the actual ruling because there is so much ambiguity in this ruling. I just want there to be black and white rule on it. There needs to be a clarification for goalie interference, and we'll see if we ever get it. I don't know if we ever will, but yeah, you just got to move on. Carolina with the win. Carolina with the shutout. Um, and you know, Anderson deserved it. He played outstanding. I mean, Freddie Anderson always plays outstanding. Oh, they do, and. Um, I, I want to know, uh, so far on this road trip, or just this week, um, your three stars. 
What would you say are the three stars? Yeah, I mean, I think my third star of this week has been Andrei Svechnikov. He's played very, very well. He's been very consistent. He's been noticeable. I don't really think he has been an issue. He had one bad, 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 bad play in Ottawa where he was trying to set up the other team, I think, um, and they scored. And, you know, but he's still getting points. He contributes. So he made that mistake, but then he corrects it and scores a goal later. So that's good to see. So I would put Svechnikov as my, my third star. Uh, what about you? Who's your third star? Uh, my third star was Jordan Saul because I just thought he was the most consistent forward out there along with his line mates. And Jesper, I want to, I want to talk about Jesper Foss for just a little bit here. He plays so well with Stahl. Now, he can play anywhere up and down the lineup, but I just think the chemistry that he has with the most is Jordan Stahl. Wouldn't you... I think Jesper Foss plays anywhere well in the lineup, but I think that line of Stahl, Foss, and Nino, they're not really built to be offensive, but they are. I mean, Nino Niederreiter still puts the puck in the net regularly because of that line and how they play. Jordan Stahl creates the time and space. Jesper Foss can help with that offense and getting the yeah, puck he in the does. I mean, Jesper Foss has probably one of the best hockey senses on the team. He's unbelievable. He's been playing on great. He might not have the points to show for it, but you just watch him. You know he's playing fantastic. Exactly. And um, did you say your second star? I, I did. No, I haven't said my second yeah, star. Okay, my second star is Nino Niederreiter. I thought Niederreiter has just played, I mean, unbelievable. In almost every game, Niederreiter is noticeable. You might not always score. I know I'm kind of giving some guys you might not think of as top three you know, stars when you have players like Ajo, D'Angelo, and Svechnikov just tearing it up but I mean you have to go into how the whole game is and I thought um truly you have an unbelievable player Nina Ryder who just keeps playing really really well which will do one of two things either he's going to get a really great contract extension from us or someone else or he's a player you opt to move at the deadline for someone with term with equal skill so he's building up a a solid position for himself and for Carolina. Him playing really well is good for everybody involved. Yes, and uh, for my second, I had Tony D'Angelo. Now, nobody played well in the majority of that Ottawa game. But when the team does play well, he's one of the best players on the ice. Uh, just his puck movement, I think, is the best on that blue line. Um, Slavin's not that far behind him, but D'Angelo's obviously the best. So I had him my second star. He had three points in three games. I'm not disappointed with his effort at all. So no, D'Angelo played very well. I mean, he's always, but he always tells you, you, you know what you're going to get from Tony D'Angelo every night. Uh, I'll let you go with your first star first. Svet. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, so my first star I have as Andre Svechnikov. Uh, he has two goals, two assists, four points this week. I just love this guy so much. And it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ever since we drafted him. I mean, he, he had a good first year, his rookie year. I thought he was good for a rookie. Uh, he definitely stepped it up the next year. And then the year after that, which was this past year, he kind of took a step down. So we kind of, going into the season, we just didn't know. But now the points are coming showing yeah. it's great i think sechnikov has really shown that he is a strong power forward who can score i think we kind of expected more of a sniper which he can definitely be exactly but i think he's developed into that power forward that can go in and not only snipe the puck 
but can move you off the puck. I mean, he's gotten bigger. He's gotten tougher since he got knocked out cold by Ovechkin in that one playoff series. But I think, and I think that drove him to be that really solid player and that really solid two-way power forward, which is great to see. And I think it makes him a better player overall. It does. And he makes him a threat at both ends of the ice. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you said he's a bit more of a power forward now uh, because I think, yes, it's nice to have that big sniper on your team, like a Pasternak or um, Matthews even a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, but he's turned into a power forward, and I just think power forwards are, once you, especially once you get to the playoffs, you need more of a power forward game than you uh, from one of your players than them being a sniper, yeah. just shooting from a, a very good ankle or something. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just fair. And I mean, and then for for my first star, um, I had to go with the captain, George Stahl. I mean, again, he is just consistent. He was consistent all three games. I really didn't have much of an issue with his game. Um, Jordan Stahl just plays that solid game with Nina Ryder and Faust. I mean, honestly, if you really wanted to, you could do the top three stars of Stahl, uh, Nina Ryder, and Faust. I mean, they always play good every game. You can never have a problem with their, with their, with their game. They might not always score goals, but they're always having good shifts. They always are a threat in that offensive zone. And they shut down the team, the opponent's top top lines. Exactly, and again, there are a lot of honorable mentions on both of our lists. I'm sure because I mean, especially yeah, after Anderson. that Boston game, Anderson. Shut up, Boston. That's not easy. No, it's not. And they still have some. They still have Pasternak. I mean, that guy can put the puck in the back of the net, and he didn't. They have Eric Hall. I mean, he's a former Hurricanes fan. We know he can score. Oh, you know, he can. Um, you know. Um, but no one scored, and you know Anderson always plays well. I never have really an issue with his game. You're gonna have off nights. And I thought maybe he was a little off in Toronto, which again you expect. He had just flown in Toronto the night before to to prep for that game, so yeah, you gotta expect it. Um, I guess we'll talk a little bit about some news around the league, too, and then we'll review the the Minnesota game for the last thing we we kind of talk about. Yeah, um, what do you think of Arizona kind of moving to a... It, it was a college arena, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I'm not sure what the league at this point is thinking. I would love to see hockey succeed in Arizona, but the reality is it's just not doing that. I think it's at the point, and I'm sorry if there's any Arizona fans listening... But I think it's time to consider a relocation. I think I heard Elliot Friedman at one point in his 32 Thoughts podcast kind of talking about there are some things that you can do where the league buys the team and then someone owns it and then they kind of are like, all right, well, we're going to play in Houston, which still gives you that option to have that expansion team in another city and you don't really lose it. It kind of puts you into a solid position. I think you need to find a way to get the Coyotes out of Arizona. They have not been successful. Their owner hasn't been able to really do anything. They're almost every other year, they're, they're sellers and they get draft picks. They might get someone good like Clayton Keller. I mean, they have some young talent on the team. They're rushing. I like Chichurin. Yeah, Chichurin, but I mean, who's on the trading block? Carolina yeah. is linked to getting him. And so are some other teams like Florida and Washington might be interested as well and Pittsburgh and Boston. But you have to go into this with the knowledge 
they're always they're willing to trade these players. And Chichurin has a very cap friendly deal. At, he I does think it's four million. It's, yeah, four million for like four years. Yeah, and I think it's three at the end of the season. Yeah, you can't be willing to just give a player like that away. I wouldn't put him on the trade block if I was Arizona. Yeah. but again, they've been out of the playoffs for some time. But they do have a new owner, uh, Alex Maruello, who uh, bought the team, I think, I believe, last year. And it does seem like they're trying to go in a direction, at least, with just going through a rebuild. Now, okay, well, how successful gotta, that's going to be, I don't know. But then you got to think, they're going to play in a stadium that can only fit 5,000 people, max. That's if you stuff the stadium full, you can get 5,000. That is ridiculous. Can you imagine if there were only five thousand fans at PNC Arena? The team would be laughed at. It would be it would be an embarrassment. And who what what young superstar? Because the Coyotes are probably going to be good chance to have that first overall pick. Is really going to go to want to want to go and play in in Arizona? They're not going to want to play. They're not going to want to play in front of only five thousand fans in a small little arena. And then they're going to go play a game in Toronto, and then they're going to be like. What am I doing here? This is ridiculous. I can be playing in a city like that. They can come to another success, successful southern franchise like Dallas, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, who have fans. Even Florida, who had been made fun of for so long for not having fans. They're I'm happy well. in Florida. As yeah, and their 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 stadiums are starting to get packed, and good for them. But yeah. I mean, Arizona hasn't been able to. I think the experiment in Arizona has failed. I think it is time to relocate the organization. Yeah, and we'll never know. Uh, one thing I do like about Gary Bettman and the NHL is that they do seem to be very loyal to the teams already in existence. But we're never going to fully know that story. Um, yeah. Another team that's a little bit similar but been around a way longer than Arizona is Buffalo. Now, the players that they finally got from Jack Eichel. Buffalo's um, had a decent year. Better than I think people thought. Yes, um, they started playing, um, I believe, a couple weeks ago. And Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, they're doing actually pretty good. Really? Really? Jeff Skinner's picked it up, too. He's, he had a exactly. really, 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 really bad season last year. But for $9 million, you need him to play better. And on a team like Buffalo, you can only expect so much. But Jeff Skinner's been playing well. And it's good to see a former Canes player do well. Kevin Adams, shout out to him. Yeah, and, and you know, of course he's going to want, want Skinner. And he didn't make that trade for him, but, you know, or that signing for Skinner. But, you know, it's good to see Jeff Skinner play like he is in, in Buffalo now. Hopefully he can keep it up. He's got a $9 million contract for several more years. You want to see him score goals, and he's doing that, Buffalo. I think he is their leader in goals. I'd have to go back and take a look, but it's definitely good for Buffalo. Yeah, um, let me see if I can here. Um, and when you're looking for, for the, just to check that, um, I feel like another important thing that we saw, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of hockey for, for years and years, and I've seen some pretty great players. Am I right? Was it Jeff Skinner goal leader? Yes, he is yeah. with 16 goals. Not surprising. I mean, Jeff Skinner's always been able to bury the puck, and it's good to see him doing it now. Yeah. But um, back to, you know, I've seen a lot of really great players play and then retire. You know, the King, Henrik Lundqvist, and then, you know, two of my favorite players in the league were played on Tampa Bay with Marty San Luis and Vinny LeCavalier. Now they're both in management <laughs> positions. Cavalier is assistant GM in Calgary, and St. Louis is a coach in Montreal. I thought that was more of a bolder choice because he hasn't had any 
coaching experience. Now with Brendan Moore, it was different. He had he was an assistant coach. And Montreal might be looking to try and replicate what Carolina is doing, and that's what I thought of when you get a player like Marty Saint exactly. Louis. Marty Saint Louis is one class act, one of the best players to ever hit the ice in the NHL. He's a Hall of Famer. So is Vinny LeCavalier, and it's really good. Those are two of my favorite players who have played in the league. And I love to see them now, you know, getting these chances. And I want to see Marty San Luis succeed. I don't know if Montreal is going to be solid this year, but I would like to see him, you know. See They're going to be getting pick. a good pick. Yeah, Montreal's going to get a good pick. And I believe a former player like San Luis can really help develop that young player. Yes, and I do believe uh, because the top player in the draft is Shane Wright. I, he's a center, obviously. He's projected to be like a Matthews type of player. He's supposed to be that good. And I do believe the team that needs him the most is Montreal. But um, are there any other teams you want to talk um, about? I mean, you know, we've kind of touched on the whole Marchand thing. He's out for six games, so that's going to benefit every team that played Boston. Um, but I think it's it's um, there hasn't been a lot of groundbreaking news in the league this week. I don't feel like um, it's going to pick up as the trade deadline approaches. Yeah, once we get into, I think it's in March. Once we get closer into there, you're going to see some teams make some moves. You're going to be clear on who's a seller, who's a buyer. Um, I think Carolina would be wise to be a buyer, and we'll get more into that when we get closer. But you need that. Um, but I think other than that, I don't have much more. To really add, other than kind of maybe going over the standings, I think Carolina is it's, still number one in the Metro with the best win percentage in the East. And then you have Colorado out West, who I think Colorado is number one in the league. In point percentage, they are. Um, it's just interesting looking at the Eastern Conference, though, because you have a clear top eight. Yeah, there really is no much chance. At least I don't think so. I mean, you have um, in the wild card spot, you have Washington and Boston, you know, with Detroit as a distant third potential. And, I mean, yeah, of course, if Detroit were to catch fire, they could catch Boston. It's possible. If Boston continues to falter, and they are, I could see Boston slipping out. But my dark horse possibility really isn't Detroit. Mine is as, the Islanders. Yeah, as much as it could be the New York Islanders. I, I mean, feel... When you have Barry coach, Trotz is still, I think, a top coach. So. Yeah, when you have one of the best coaches in the league and Barry Trotz, you have a solid team. I mean, they don't have, like, I would say, a true, true, like, number one all-star. But you're a solid organization. They, they should be able to kind of turn it on. And I think they can. I mean... How, they play very structured. I think, let's see here, they are... The Islanders have 40 points. They're 500. They're 500. Boston, 55. Boston has played 45 games, and the Islanders have played 40. So the Islanders have five games in hand on Boston. They win all those. It gets them up to 50. And then they got to beat Boston when they do play them. I think it's possible. I think they need to take advantage of the fact that Marchand and Bergeron are out right now. I don't know how long Bergeron's going to be out, but Marchand's out for six games. I know. Boston's going to struggle. Washington find a way to win. Washington's been struggling too, but the main but I still think they're a playoff team. Is their goaltending that's the question, right? Washington's goaltending has always been a question mark. I mean, they've only had, I think, one real good goaltender in the last probably decade in Braden Holtby. Exactly. Um, and they opted to move on from him. They had Philip Grubauer. They ended up shipping him off to Colorado, and he's turned into an unbelievably good goalie. But rem- you can't blame them when you have Braden Holtby. Yeah. I remember Olaf Kolzik. Yeah. I believe that was... He, 
throwback to how many years and then they had uh jose theodore yeah um, one of his nicknames was jose three or more (laughs) he's always getting three or more goals (laughs) but yeah washington's always had an issue with goaltending which is why they ended up choking almost every season in in the playoffs but then they had um, a good solid player and um and colby and Holpe got him and they won a cup with him when, when he saw his game, he is a really good player. Absolutely, and I won't lie. When it came down to free agency, I was kind of in favor of, of us probably trying to get get Brayden Holtby. I thought he would have been a solid solid goaltender. He was kind of one of my preferences for us bringing in. Um, and now we're not complaining. <laughs> no, I mean, Anderson and Ronta are great. Um, this was before I knew, really, we were going to target Anderson. Um, I thought Holtby was one of the best options available. And I thought maybe there was a chance we would we were in on Grubauer. But I thought I think at the end of the day we chose the the best option in Freddie Anderson. You have to trust, um, you know, Eric Tolsky and um, and Don Waddell, and they, they've more than proven their capabilities. Exactly. Well, I hope you guys have the best week, Sam. We have more hockey tomorrow and all next week. See you guys next week for another episode. Uh, again. Please, if you like this episode, please share it with as many people as you want. Leave a review and hit that subscribe button because that's the best way to be notified when new episodes are up. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Shoot us an email if you have any questions and we'll answer them on the next podcast. Have a good night. Good night. Bye.